Listening to State of the Arts, a show about the arts, theater, and creatives in and around the Philippines. Located in the upcoming Circuit Performing Arts Theater in Circuit Makati, Makati's culture and entertainment district where something amazing is always on. On each episode, we invite industry leaders, arts practitioners, and audience members to talk about current events that shape and further the arts in the country. My name is Christopher. Together, let's talk art. Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of State of the Arts. I hope you are well and staying safe. With us today are directors of two of the most active theater groups in the country. The first is the managing director and executive producer of Nine Works Theatricals. A corporate head but an avid theater buff, he combines his love and passion for the theater with his business acumen to ensure a viable existence for his company. Our other guest is the director of Red Turnip Theater, who along with four other theater friends set out a company that stages the kind of productions that have been in short supply in the Philippines, mostly straight plays and non-musicals. Join me in welcoming from Nine Words Theatricals, Mr. Santi Santamaria, and from Red Turnip Theater, Ms. Jenny Hamora. Welcome to the show, Santi and Jenny. Hi, Chris. Hi, guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, yes. How are you both doing? Jenny? <laughs> um, I am very good. I have food. I have shelter. <laughs> um, I have. Uh, I might be having some upcoming work for TV, uh, some online work as well. So that's. I'm very fortunate to have those oh, lined that's up. That's fantastic. How about you, Sam? Yeah. Well. Uh, well. Same here. Uh, cooked up at home. Uh, uh, really just trying to prepare for what's going to happen for us uh, in the future uh, with God, whether, when it comes to work. Uh, try enjoying my time with family <laughs> now that we're on lockdown. Uh, trying to be optimistic about things uh, for the future. That's great. Well, thanks so much again uh, for joining me for this episode. I really appreciate you two taking the time to sit down and discuss important issues happening in your industry today. Before we start getting serious about everything, uh, I'd like to ask each of you to briefly tell our listeners how you ended up in the current positions you both are in with your respected companies. Uh, Jenny, do you want to start? Okay, sure. Um, I am a uh, food scientist by degree. Um, (laughs) nice (laughs) but um, after a few months of working in a food company I immediately went back to my original passion which is drama and theater Um, so I started out with New Voice Company in 2000 in 2012 um, four other colleagues and friends of mine Rem Zamora, Chris Villonco Topper Fabregas and Ana Abad Santos and I decided to uh, come together and form Red Turnip Theater to produce plays, uh, which we felt at the time in 2012 were, yeah, indeed in short supply. So, um, uh, yeah, we just uh, bit the bullet and, four, you know, five actors became, tried to become producers. <laughs> no, we became producers. <laughs> it's still, you know, it currently still is a mom and pop operation. Uh, we used to have... Uh, 
seasons of two to two and a half shows. Now, we called it a half show because we would show in smaller theaters. For example, if we had a play in Power Max Circuit Spotlight, then the half mm-hmm. show would, would be in an art gallery which seated 50 people. So we used gotcha. seasons of two and a half, but uh, we have not had a play for two years now for, uh, well, mm-hmm. for, for financial reasons. It's been quite difficult. Um, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, what about all, you, Sandy? Uh, yeah, well, I was just going to say, uh, with Jenny, we're all excited to for Red Turnip to have another show pretty soon. So hopefully <laughs> that happens. Right. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, on my end, um, I'm not, I, I didn't really start as a theater person uh, in the sense that I, I participate in, in the arts. It's more of me uh, as an audience member. Uh, the w- one thing that got me into this industry, where where it all started with uh, my wife Anna. So we are both uh, corporate people. Uh, Anna has been at that time. She was been in the uh, airline industry for for ten years. She was the head of finance, and uh, I'm a corporate guy. And I've I I was at that time I was with Sony. So. Um, uh, Anna decided because uh, her airline company needed to sign off uh, in Manila for a while. So it gave her time to actually try to pursue what I guess uh, she loved, which was singing and perhaps trying it out in theater. And so she she uh, enrolled in uh, Repertory Philippines' summer workshop. And that's where she met all these people, including Robbie, including Toff, which was, uh, who, I mean, who, who was her batchmate. And at that time, I was the, um, uh, the, the driver, the husband. Uh, I mean, I would pick her up and then I would socialize with the parents, you know, uh, the co-parents of the, uh, uh, the other workshoppers there. And uh, uh it he, she just became close with those workshoppers and like i said it was the batch of who our partners are now and um and then later on i i you know i because anna was uh, was uh, doing workshops and later on she actually tried getting into theater and apparently she was uh i don't know she was cast by tita baby Barredo in uh I I forgot what her first show was really, but she she was uh, she was successful to actually do um, uh, several uh, theater shows uh, with Repertory Philippines, and uh, there was a time when well, Robin and myself we would of course uh, watch together while uh, my wife or my wife's performing, and we would go to Starbucks right there in Greenbelt Ones. Uh, because we would choose the parts that we would want to watch. And then after that scene, that we would go out, uh, drink some Starbucks, and then go back to go back watching the theater. And at that time, it was, I think, Fiddler on the Roof. And then um, there, was this, there was this workshop that, uh, that they did. Uh, the showcase that they did was uh, The Wedding Singer. Uh, and I was included there. And several of now... Uh, theater people or professional theater people already right now but back then uh, they were still starting out and 
I, I think Robbie, Robbie and I wanted to have to to see the wedding singer produced professionally, and I think uh, Robbie pitched it to to Repertory Philippines at that time, which I think uh, Tita Baby Baredo said that uh, you know she they passed on they they passed on with the project and said no, it's probably not their thing and everything. So. So, um, we, and then Robbie and I, we were just discussing and, and Robbie said, why don't we just, you know, come up and produce it? It's like, so how do we go, how do you go about that? And it's like, okay, so are we going to put up a theater company? And it all started from there. It, it was that uh, Starbucks conversation with Robbie and myself. And uh, when we started Nine Works Theatrical, we, um, we brought in uh, a few partners with us. Um, that was that's with the uh, Mio Infante, uh, Toff de Venetia, uh, John John Martin, uh, my wife Anna was there also, and uh, well, it you know it just started from there, and uh, we, were, uh, we were we became uh, we became successful in the in that sense, and uh, this is where we are right now. So, so it was really more of an accident for me. And uh, in 2012, I, uh, I, I, I resigned from corporate world to actually focus on, on doing theater. And you're, do- and you're doing this full time. I, uh, I see. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, very interesting, very different uh, routes. But look, look at both of you now. You're essentially uh, colleagues. Yeah. I know. <laughs> we are. So... Yeah, that's exciting. So I was going to ask both of you. So when the crisis hit, the theater industry was one of the first ones asked to close and will more than likely be the last ones called to open. When did you guys realize that this was going to be a real issue? Uh, Jenny, would you want to start first or um, would it go? <laughs> you want me to wait for this airplane to pass? <laughs> okay. The chopper passing by. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, well, uh, when was it March fifteen? The announcement of the ECQ. Yeah, mid March. Yeah. Very. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was March seventeenth when we were all asked to stay in. Yeah. Yes, that was serious. I had uh, I had a lot of friends doing several shows. Uh, one, repertories and in the tropics. They were all about to open. Uh, Atlantis Productions, uh, Dance mm-hmm. Visit. They were really on the verge of opening, and then suddenly they had to close. And um, yeah, and we were doing uh, lungs, actually. That's right, and and uh, I was I was working with Sandbox Collective, which is yeah. a subsidiary of Nine Works Theatrical, on every brilliant thing, and we had already actually opened. Oh yeah. The right. week and prior, we had a few shows, and you know we were. Uh, we were just uh, cautioning our actors not to go near audience members too much. It's a very interactive show, so there's a lot of, uh-huh. you know, handshakes or shoulder holding. But we were like, okay, just don't. We were already giving guidelines like that the weekend prior to the lockdown. Uh, but um, uh, it's really when all the shows had to close, and uh, I think a few weeks. Uh, after lockdown, we were still kind of hopeful, no, Santi, that we would come back, that every yes. brilliant thing in lungs could continue. Yes. Or come back in June. <laughs> yes. But yeah, as it, uh, as it, as the pandemic progressed, it was just, 
pretty grim. I mean, the Facebook feed was looking like an obituary page. <laughs> yeah, just That's realizing right. that it was this was serious. That's um, right. You know, uh, it's first degree. You know, you you get to know people or friends of friends that passed because of COVID nineteen. Uh, right. Uh, yeah, and so. I think a few weeks into the ECQ, uh, everyone just canceled everything. And even Red Turnip was supposed to come back this year. <laughs> yeah. Just as we were about to come oh, yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, with the show. And, and um, yeah, that's, that's completely canceled, of course. Canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on our end, um, uh, we were, uh, it, for Nine Works, for that matter, uh, we were planning already, or we were uh, getting ready to actually uh, come up with two major musicals this year. Uh, one would be around this time, actually, and then the next one would be in November. Um, but prior to the ECQ announcement, uh, we already decided that we might have to uh, postpone or push back uh, the very first uh, musical that we were supposed to do. So and then and then the ECQ happened. So that was that was actually a good call. But later on, as uh, as uh, time passed by, uh, you know, we were we were very hopeful of uh, November showcase for mm-hmm. our second major musical. But uh, at the moment, it seems that it's. I mean, it's it's grim. It looks grim already. Uh, and 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 I think. Well, like I said, Chris, I, th- I think I spoke to you the other night and I, I told you that uh-huh. uh, it's a moving target, really, mm-hmm. at the moment, right. uh, until until there is that sense of, uh, you know, st- stability uh, around and and uh, perhaps a, perhaps a, a, a safe safety protocols are in place, perhaps uh-huh. that would uh, that would ease the easing. I mean, the the opening up of the theater. So. Yeah, so we're basically in limbo right now, really. Right. And right. Um, well, you, yeah. Well, no, yeah, I was right. just going to say from the um, theater or the venue, Performing Arts Center's point of view, uh, we were trying to be um, uh, up to date with um, what's happening on Broadway. Uh, and they kept moving and moving and moving their targets up until. The very last one they said, it's just there's no way, you know, we're, we're looking at 2021 at this point, uh, because just trying to see if we can come back and come back, you know, put certain dates in there. It's just going to be impossible uh, just because that you said it's just it's it's a moving target and everything is so un, uh you, you don't know what's going to happen next. Everything is very fluid, not necessarily in the positive sense, but, you know, you, everybody's just on a wait and see, so to speak. Um, going with that, I was going to ask Jenny, uh, do you think the current situation and the crisis uh, affects the smaller companies more? Or will it, uh, I guess, let me rephrase that, will it have like a bigger impact, I guess, on smaller performing arts groups that are um, perhaps either new or just starting or um, have just chosen to be um, small in in its scope and its um, staffing and all of that? Um, I can speak for Red Turnip Theater. Um, 
I am actually quite glad we don't have we don't hire formal employees, so we don't have a staff to support. Whenever we do a project, everyone's an independent contractor. So um, we had the option, uh, plus all of us, the five producers of Red Turnip are freelancers. So we do all sorts of work on the side. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there are both advantages and disadvantages to that. The advantage is that we can opt to just go on hiatus without uh, having to worry about employees to support. Um, it's definitely not good for our creative expression because this is an indefinite, yeah, an indefinite hiatus. Um, it, it already was very difficult for us to put up a production pre ECQ. Now, uh, with the new guidelines in place, um, half the house allowing only half a house we have Mm -hmm. really no idea how we would break even break even for uh, a live production um sure but i think you know it would it could force us if we had the if there's a will there's a way i mean it it could force us to think of very uh of new ways of producing um because you know you could actually just you could you could busk on the street and that that could be a form of theater as well uh, sure. But um, as uh, in terms of producing a live production, the way we've always done pre ACQ, I don't think that would be possible in the next uh, year. Even um, the the disadvantage is that <laughs> we're off the radar. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, that frees the turn the turnips. We call ourselves the turnips. Uh, the producers have to help in other ways as well. Uh, for other theater groups, though, for other small theater companies um, who uh, who are used to working with smaller budgets, though, I think others have been really finding their, their creativity online um, mm-hmm. because, you know, uh, we've been actually in, in Open House, this fundraiser that we all came together for, we were able to generate theatrical content without having to without having a big budget or without having mm-hmm. a budget at all so i think the other companies have been uh creative naman uh, it's, it's just that the five turnips are are very busy freelancers which is trying to make a eke out a living as well for ourselves um right yeah so it's a little bit on the back burner right now Although we are very committed to uh, see to helping our our fellow Phil Stage because we're a member of Phil Stage, which is the producers guild, mm-hmm. we're committed to helping Phil Stage really are um, the Phil Stage companies get on their feet and whatever it takes for us to help them open by early next year. We're, we're there to help. I see. So you've almost touched on uh, what I was going to ask next, you know, just to piggyback on what you were saying about there's a will, there's a way, you know, um, uh, as artists, you really can't prevent them from creating. So it's almost in their nature to keep creating. So, of course, when the crisis hit, the first instinct was to put their work out there online. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had mentioned um, some of the initiatives that you have uh, been doing Um Santi, were you or your company or through your company, did you do anything in partnership or uh, with other 
like-minded individuals or companies, or did your uh, did Nine Works Theatricals come up with anything um, to put out there as well online? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we've been very much uh, been uh, been par- participative with uh, Phil Stage in its efforts to actually help the uh, displaced. Uh, 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 workers that we have in the theater industry, and I think uh, we we were we did pitch in. I think one of my one of our partners, um, Atof de Venetia, it was very very active with Phil Stage, uh, and, and also with Open House. There's this program that Phil Stage uh, came up with, which was Open House again to raise funds for the displaced workers of the industry. And uh, um, also, we were very participative uh, in the in the formation of the NLEC or the National Law Events Coalition Philippines. So that's where Nine Works stands. But uh, in, you know, in terms of coming up with something like uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, like jumping on the digital bandwagon or everything, maybe perhaps in the future. I still don't know, but we still haven't gone there yet. Uh, with, particularly with our company, so maybe mm-hmm. later on. So we'll see. Uh, just asking you both, um, what is your take? What are your thoughts on the proliferation of online content as far as sharing one's artistic work? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Is it temporary? Um, what is your um, personal and professional take on all of these? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, okay, can I, I? I think it's a double-edged sword. I think, uh, in in the I mean, at the moment, uh, and I understand since uh, there is there is this uh, there is this lack of live live performances, and that people cannot go to the theater. And I understand that uh, theater companies or performing arts companies would actually. Uh, would like to share their content or maybe come up with their content online, uh, which is perhaps a good thing as well. But in the same way, uh, it could also affect the value of of of, of their content. I think no. Uh, so they have to be very careful, I I guess, very prudent in 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 putting in, um, especially those that have those that they've already done uh, content that was already made and you know uh, they had it for arch- archival purposes and uh, for, for it to be shown online later on if if they aren't uh, planning on perhaps uh, producing it again in the future for for, for life for a live performance then perhaps yes uh, so it, it really depends it really depends so you have to be uh, very prudent in judging whether you can take that risk or not. What about you, Jenny? What do you think? I agree with Santi in that uh, it can go two ways. Uh, I agree that the quality of documentation, we have really been learning that we were sorely lacking. Uh, well, one reason is because budget. You know, it's it's expensive to have a three, mm-hmm. three four camera setup and to yeah. have that footage edited. Uh, so that's one that prevented us from documenting, you know, properly before. So if you're releasing content that's uh, a little bit not uh, of the best quality, then um, 
even if the reach is uh, wide, the reach is larger than what we would reach, of course, if we're just having a live performance in one venue. Uh, the, you know, you may have, you may be forming ideas about theater, which are not really accurate because, you know, they're a person, it, the, anything on digital ne- can never mimic what replicate yeah. live. Right. Yeah. Another issue is equity of all the artists involved. Now, uh, I, in for foreign productions, if you're seeing national theater, uh, national theater plays online, I am sure it, it's great, right? And I'm sure they had already, they have already fixed and organized the way all the artists in that production are fairly compensated for the the intellectual property rights that they give that project. But here we're just starting out, so. Uh, we, I, I love the reach that digital uh, can uh, give uh, material, a show. I mean, I love the fact that people who have never seen theater can now see, can now see a play online. Um, but uh, we should also think of the artists that were all the artists involved in producing that material, and that they are fairly compensated as well. Correct. Um, yeah. Um, also, we have a piracy problem now, uh, which uh, we, I think, uh, Resorts World had after the streaming of Anghuling El Bimbo. Mm. And uh, that's something that we also have to protect our material from. Uh, so there are people working on that and ways of how to limit piracy, but, you know, it's always going to be there. Right. Well, you know, we're we're on like what? Uh we're we're going on our third month essentially. Uh what are your what are your guys' thoughts on the argument that with all of these online uh content that there perhaps there's um uh, some sort of saturation already because when it when we were first asked to stay in, the natural instinct was just to put anything out there for the fear of one not being able to be relevant and two just you know stifling your artistic expressions and um creativity and but now because there's just way too much out there that um almost harking back to what santi was saying earlier that it's it almost kind of hurts your uh, business model if you are a theater company or, or perhaps there's just way too much info out there that people now will not be as excited, perhaps, uh, when we are finally asked to be back um, live and uh, able to assemble together again in an enclosed space? Hmm. That's a good question. Tough question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I agree with you, uh, Chris. Uh, well, like I said, there are, there are two scenarios uh, really, and it, it's really up to, I guess, the the performing arts company or or, or the producer uh, on whether he would he or she would want to take that particular risk or not. You know, I, I guess especially if your material, again, like I said, if your material is already something that you don't see. Uh, uh, you putting up as a, a live thing anymore, then perhaps you can do so. Uh, but 
if not if you are still going to try to 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 put it up sometime in the future then perhaps you'd want to hold on to it and and with regards to uh maybe maybe uh people uh trying to i mean going to going to lose their interest uh maybe uh may, maybe but then again live live performances is way different it's you can't really compare live performances from just viewing something online so it could also boost their interest perhaps so it 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 really depends on 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 how you how how you see it like for example there was one time we were considering um well even up to now that that consideration is still there that uh we would showcase one of our properties uh in the provinces like like for example uh, the apple musical just so that they would be interested later on to really see it live you know just just give them a just give them a teaser and and perhaps for them to see it at that time we were thinking of uh the movie theaters really uh, but just for a certain uh time frame or a very short period and for them to be really interested in theater and perhaps even you know i don't know maybe fly to manila or maybe invite right. a production company to come to the province and stage it there because they want to see it live so it really depends um mm-hmm. yeah so you just have to really sit down and strategize on it so, so there yeah <laughs> um Jenny, I was talking to you about this earlier. I had mentioned that I was listening and uh, watching your Rappler interview. And uh, much of the interviewer's um, topic or um, direction of questions really hammered the idea of online streaming being the new normal. Uh, And I hate to ask you this again right now, but I I guess for um, the interest of our listeners, do you where do you stand on that particular notion that perhaps online streaming will replicate the live theater experience? Um, I am in support of all the efforts for online streaming theatrical content right now. There's a debate on whether that's really theater. Of course, theater is live. Uh, and in, in, within the four physical walls uh, of a particular place wherein a cert- certain group of people meets up for one night and there's an exchange of energy there that creates a very unique show. So even if you're watching, yeah, let's say, yeah, Apple, the one night of Apple will not be the same as the second night just because of the way the group of people in that space experiences the material. So, uh, unfortunately, I think the digital space can only try to come close. Uh, I don't think it can ever replicate that, that magic that goes on in the real space where re- you, know, you are there in, in uh, close, fairly close contact with people. I think that's one of the things that hurts the most about not having live theater at the moment. It's just um, not having that shared experience. Online, we are trying to, there are many groups trying to replicate it. I am very excited for the very the Virgin Lab Fest, which is opening on June 10. 
because mm. we're going to have a range of directors uh, and we'll see how each of them handles, whether it's Zoom or whatever other uh, platform they're using and how they're going to handle the interaction with the audience. Um, so I'm very excited for that, fully in support of it because this is what we have and we really don't know how long uh, the theaters are going to remain closed. Like, you know, what we were talking about a while ago, it's a moving target. Um, mm-hmm. So I like, uh, what I like the new medium most for is theater education, mm-hmm. um, to be able to sit down and analyze a script, to mm-hmm. have, to have, for example, in the open house fundraiser, we had the Samakuha from Ballet Manila giving bar classes. Uh, I mean, it just gives a lot of people the opportunity to have theater or dance education online. Um, I think the, some of the workshops, let's say from Upstart Manila, they're also starting to mig- migrate online. So I think theater, I think the new medium is great for theater education. I think it's, we can even keep it on, I think, with uh, mm-hmm. um, even if live theater comes back if you want a further reach at a very low cost, um, Mm -hmm. I think the online medium is good for that. Um, Except for acting classes, which I've always said that it's pretty impossible to learn how to be a good actor without having a real person right there in front of you and you exchanging reactions and communicating, whether verbally or not. It's kind of hard. There are a lot of barriers to communication through the digital space there's the internet speeds changing there's um there's just a lot of just a lot of distractions it's like you're in your pambahay <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so uh yeah <laughs> there are really um there are limitations to it but i'm fully in support of those who are who are really getting the most out of this new medium and i yeah and i even would consider it beyond beyond you know 2021 just for the sheer reach uh, yes i i I think i completely agree with you on that um um, especially the reach i was just gonna say um i just stumbled upon by accident a movie that i didn't even realize you were in it 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 was only after we first spoke on the phone i was like i think that was jenny that was in that movie too so you know i I feel like uh because um um theater itself is not really mainstream it helps that um it's um being given the same platform in essence as as most mainstream programs so I, i completely agree that as far as reach and as far as um making sure it stays relevant um it, it's very advantageous yeah. but um i i also agree that i don't think it will replicate the live theater experience all right well um you had mentioned about the uh national live events coalition philippines earlier and uh i know right now because i have been involved as well as far as creating guidelines on uh whether or not we could open already or what we needed to do when we open and there have been several recommendations suggestions proposals on how we can get people back inside the theater and much of the talk really have been centered around social distancing you know reduce audience capacity separated yet together 
And that's one of the reasons why I wanted the two of you to come in and talk about it, because I feel like it's important for our listeners to be educated on perhaps the viability of said recommendations, the feasibility of it um, from a business and a producer's point of view, as well as from an artistic and a director's point of view. Sandy, what are the implications of this from a producer's point of view? Um, it depends on the scale on the production, I, I guess. Uh, if, 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 it is a, if it is a big musical, uh, meaning... You know, like we, we were supposed to do the wedding singer in November. Uh, I mean, sorry, sorry, the bodyguard, the bodyguard in November. So, if if it is that big scale, then I don't think it is financially viable for us with with physical distancing in place. Meaning to say, you're like you're, maybe you're taking out a fraction, maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm perhaps. At least fifty percent of the of the standard seating capacity of the theater, so I think something something like a big musical wouldn't work, but maybe a smaller type of show, perhaps a play or maybe even a musical, but on a smaller scale, which financially would not require that that much audience members to actually at the very least make a small profit then perhaps that is possible so yeah yeah there you go what about the fact that um say for a producer to recoup their costs they Mm -hmm. need to be able to sell about 70 percent of the house Mm -hmm. so when you are being offered a situation where to begin with it's already reduced Mm -hmm. to half or maybe even a third of the total seating Mm -hmm. then how do you make that uh financially possible precisely i i i don't see any way that you can well at the moment i don't see any way that you can be able to recoup your finances with uh with a fraction of the standard seating capacity because you know like producers they would um they we would actually um um a measure we would actually try to identify which venue which particular venue would be financially viable for a production that we would want to put up and if it was a big musical then it would of course make sense that you need a bigger theater so you would be able to uh, have a, a bigger audience for you to be able to recoup your 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 production costs, but uh, again with with physical distancing in place, then it would be very very difficult for a producer to actually even break even. So and that's going to be a problem. So uh, so so, so, so the, yeah yeah the the approach then is uh, uh, you'd rather wait. Till you get uh, either close to full capacity or at least seventy percent, then uh, gamble or take the risk of putting out normal shows in a very reduced, say half or even a third of the house. That's right, Chris. That's right. Uh, maybe it would be even uh, be more, I guess, cost efficient if you just don't push through with it until such time that. Uh, you can you can be assured that 
you can actually go to 70 or 80% of your, the seating capacity of the venue. Uh, that, that's right. So it, it really depends on um, the financial threshold of a particular company or a producer. Uh, and if you are willing to take that risk. I, I mean, you know, in, in uh, li- like, for example, in, in Seoul right now, uh, there is the... Uh, uh, they're doing Phantom. They're doing Phantom of the Opera. And they just, you know, soldiered on. Uh, and, and then that's actually amazing. But then again, um, well, of course, there are uh, measures or protocols that the theater uh, put in place for, for them to be safe. And at the same time, uh, I mean, people trust their country's larger public health response, you know. So, mm. so I, I, I guess people are more confident. And I think for Phantom, they they proved to be. I mean, you know, they 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 went through with it still, and they had a good audience capacity, and uh, that's mm. very surprising. But uh, I mean, that again, it 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 can't work in all productions you know and especially right. here in in manila in the in the philippines uh you would also take a look at how the government responds to the the, the, the pandemic and you know and if how people will try to i mean think that they are actually uh safe that it's okay uh, i mean you know, regardless of what the theater would put in place or whatever guidelines or protocols they would put in place. But they know that their government is there to, to, to back you up and they know that the government's doing something about it. So it really depends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jenny, um, as a performer uh, myself, this is, this is uh, something that I'm really curious and interested about. How, how do these measures affect the rehearsal process and the actual performance itself? Um, well, uh, actually, I'm really looking forward to the pilot testing of the NLEC, the NLEC uh, protocols um, because I have no experience at all with how uh, with the protocols applied for a rehearsal process. I feel it's going to be, you know, uh, the... The studies coming out now on how COVID is transmitted through, you know, air conditioning, uh, the air conditioning pathways, and uh, mm-hmm. I just feel it's uh, a little bit difficult uh, to uh, ensure that all our spaces are <laughs> are uh, are safe safe in that way. Um, so. Yeah, I, I, I also wanted to add pala to what Santi was saying was that uh, mm-hmm. let's say in in Europe, like like countries like Germany, they have a large portion of their uh, of their production costs subsidized by government. So I think that's why they can also open a little bit earlier and have have these distancing mm. measures in the future. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I I wonder about well, Korea actually and how much they have any government. Uh, financial support for that because really would need here in the country we really would need uh financial subsidies stimulus you know from the government uh to be able to ensure that producers are not going to lose money now as a performer uh back to the question at hand um yeah i have absolutely uh 
I heard of a setup where the stage was separated by a fiberglass uh, wall. <laughs> a little... <laughs> oh, there's a barrier. Okay. Yeah. Well, but I know that's what I was like. I, I was trying to envision all of these. Like, say, yeah. Even my background is uh, in dance or in ballet. I, I was just thinking, like, if I'm rehearsing my role as Romeo in Romeo and Juliet, how do I even do that when um, social distancing is a protocol? Yeah, I think. Like, like, Je- yeah. go ahead, go ahead. How? No, I was gonna say, Jenny. Like, say for except uh, for for most Filipinos are familiar with Miss Saigon, uh, and Jenny, you're Kim. How are you gonna hold your kid when you are at that climax episode, telling the kid that you'd give your life for that kid? Mm-hmm. I, I'm just trying to figure out, like, how is that going to be possible? Mm-hmm. Like, so uh, I'm I'm just not sure if um. Uh, from the uh, artistic side of it, how do you even prepare? If, say, for example, a producer like Santi is willing to bet on a third capacity, but then you're being asked to rehearse for that particular show, how do you guys do it? You know? I think the lock in uh, procedure that the TV shoots are at the tv and movie shoots are beginning to adopt now which supposedly i'm going to actually join one of these lock-in shoots soon it seems to be the mo the safest way uh so you're in what well, the process is you are in quarantine all the members of a production crew and cast are in quarantine in their homes for two weeks before a shoot date and the day before the shoot we all go in for uh testing and as soon as we you know, when, when you test negative for COVID-19, you are bused straight to your accommodations, wherein you are kept with your crew, your fellow cast and crew members for at least at, at least two weeks. Now, we're, we're actually being blocked off for a month. And there we're all, we eat together. Nobody goes in or out. Uh, and that's the only way that we can ensure uh, some sort of level of uh, keeping the virus out. Um, uh, the the scenes are limited to a maximum of five people. There's only a limit to the number of, let's say, your director. Only the only the assistant director can speak to the actors directly in a scene, while the director is in a remote um a remote location. I think that might be the the safest way at the moment to be able to rehearse. And then I don't know though how that would <laughs> how then you would go on to doing the show in before uh an audience a public audience uh, um, yeah yeah that's very least, interesting yeah at least if you're in quarantine for 14 days and uh you're we're constantly also testing every two weeks but you know sana pcr diba sana pcr or elisa tests which are very reliable and then you can assure that this entire cast and crew is covid free you can face an audience yeah, but then to be to rehearse like going back home and into a rehearsal room and going back home, I think that's really difficult. And then going rehearsing with a mask on and with a face shield, <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah, it seems a little. Uh, uh, I don't know how much we could achieve. <laughs> right, right. Artistically, oh, you know, when you're working a scene. 
how how do you work that with that kind of so the best scenario I'm seeing is that lock in scenario. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I think Santi. I know we talked about Mulan Rouge a lot on our previous like meetings. Um, I read yeah. somewhere that um, um, in preparation for a January opening for uh-huh. Broadway, um, some of the producers are planning on um, housing mm-hmm. um, the entire uh, creative team. Uh, mm-hmm. performers and artists for like six to eight weeks of the rehearsal process mm-hmm. uh-huh. so wow. it's almost like what um jenny was explaining earlier so they're all just right. basically quarantined together yeah, um right. rehearsing and preparing for um a possible show or opening soon so um, right. i'm wow. not sh- i'm not sure if that can be uh something that could be done say in the philippines when you know as 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 it is uh, things like yeah. that are already um difficult but hey yeah so at, at this point i guess you know any um suggestion is a welcome thought so because we really don't know like what we need to, in order to continue yeah that's right uh yeah i mean everybody's lost at the moment i guess uh uh, with, with with something like that to be done here in the Philippines, again, it's I can I guess it depends on the financial threshold of of, of the producer mm-hmm. right. or that company. If 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 uh, I mean if they can afford it, then perhaps why not? But then again, they have to also um, consider how long they're going to run because, like something like Moulin Rouge, of course, everybody would want to see Moulin Rouge when they, they they get a chance to go to Broadway and, you know, and, and it seems safe enough for them to be able to watch. Uh, but, but then again, like uh, Broadway shows or perhaps even West End shows run longer than what we normally have here in, in, in Manila. So, so having an added, uh, well, expense for that matter, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, well, I mean, it really depends. Uh, and uh, for, at the moment, I don't, I'm not quite sure it would be financially viable for the companies that are existing right now in, in Manila. You know, that's very interesting. Even even for us, say here at Circuit Performing Arts Theater, now that um, construction is uh, being resumed, right. um, speaking of like added expense or something that you really didn't foresee or budgeted for. So in order for um, the building to continue construction, the company doing or wanting the construction to be done has to shoulder everything. They have to house all of these workers, feed yeah. them, do the testing for them. So, yeah. it, you know, it becomes um, difficult for any entity, I guess, whether you are a multinational or a small a business or a medium business or a big business. Um, there are all of these extra added um uh, measures now that you have to comply with so it becomes really difficult yeah yeah it does and um and so 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 which means you just have to uh you know identify or, or see if it i mean if 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 all these um uh sacrifices that you're going to make financially would out outweigh you know you mean you having having a return for your for your for your for the, for the expense that you've actually incurred, so uh, if yeah. you think that it's viable for you, then maybe perhaps yeah, why why not? But right. again, it really depends. <laughs> 
Well, with, with, with the question of where do we feel the industry uh, is going to go yeah. from here, how can we yeah. collectively, coming yeah. from the actor's perspective, the producer's perspective, the venue's perspective, how can we collectively work collaboratively to make sure we all come up, come out of this and skate? Well, That's I think question. the <laughs> formation of the National Live Events Coalition was, yeah. was great and it was timely. And it was really a way for all of the stakeholders in a live event to come together to discuss and um, to, to, to come up with the protocol so we can open as soon as possible. So that was one step, a very, very significant step. And um, yep, yep. Uh, being also able to, as a group, lobby and uh, the government for stimulus packages. I mean, yep. there's strength in numbers always. Um, right. And to be able to prove, to prove ourselves to the government that we are a, a big economic sector that contributes to this, uh, to our country. That was a good first step, really. Uh, and um, we cannot work in silos anymore the way we used to, you know, just keeping, keeping our own methods to ourselves, keeping our own ideas to ourselves. We really have to think of the entire live events force as a whole. Because if one of us makes a mistake and there's a disaster and, you know, that we infect more people, I mean, we are going to shut down for even longer. <laughs> um, mm. So each of us has to be very mindful that each that our action steps affect, have a ripple effect uh, in the entire industry. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, well, I was just going to add to Jenny that uh, I guess the silver lining to to what's happening right now is we were able to galvanize, I mean, everybody in the live events industry and work on a common goal uh, together. I mean, you know, uh, from, from, from the, the different sectors of the live events, so we were able to pull our, all ourselves together to be able to come up with, you know, uh, a voice, one voice, uh, mm -hmm. for us to be able to be supported by uh, by the state, and yeah. I think again that's a yeah again uh, just to reiterate that is a very uh, big step actually. Mm -hmm. How do you guys think we can um, instill consumer confidence back? I think what do you what do we what do we need to tell them to say hey look we are really working very hard and it's safe for you come join us again I think the pilot testing of the NLEC protocols is very important we uh, Santi and I were in a meeting with the National Commission for Culture and the Arts as well to get them on board and get them to along with the DOH to look at the protocols and to also be to be participants in the pilot testing itself, yeah. and if that uh, that pilot testing proves proves successful, I think we we can confidently say that it's that it will be safe yeah. for audience members to come back. That's yeah, great. it could be a yeah. base model for for everything to follow. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, and I, I guess we just have to um, uh, let the audience, I guess, know that. Uh, I mean, whatever we we do would also be 
grounded in strict hygiene, you know, like, I, I guess just like how Soul did it with Phantom of the Opera. Uh, it's, it's strict. I mean, they were just following strict hygiene and everybody wearing masks, you know. Uh, uh, it is actually surprising that they didn't even consider killing seats ex- except for the first first row of the theater. So that was actually amazing, I think. So, mm-hmm. Well, that might be a template that can be followed or replicated. It, 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 yeah, exactly. It, it, it can be. I mean, it's something that maybe we can look at uh, moving mm-hmm. forward. You know, I was going to ask you both. Uh, we talked about this earlier during the discussion that there's a lot of sense of anxiety and loss during these times. Uh, what do you say right. to your colleagues or fellow artists who might be feeling that sense of just lost and not knowing what to do? <laughs> I didn't mean to ask really right <laughs> hard questions to you guys. Very good question though. <laughs> well, hmm. yeah. Sandy? <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, for me, I guess uh, just to be, I mean, optimistic that all these will. I mean, it, it, it it'll just all these will pass. I mean, you know. Eventually, later on, uh, live performances will be back. Uh, I mean, we definitely we cannot. I mean, everyone can't wait for when it's going to happen. I mean, as, as we would, everyone would want it to be back as soon as possible. Uh, but it will be back. I'm I'm very sure. So we just have to be, I guess, uh, vigilant and patient, and and maybe you know, maybe come up with several things like like for example, like online online performances or online um uh, like like just like what jenny mentioned mentoring perhaps online could could also be i mean a viable thing at the moment uh but you know i think uh one good thing about everything is that it's just not the philippines who's experiencing this it's not just us who's Mm -hmm. experiencing this it's it's the entire world who's experiencing it and and because of that, everybody wants to to solve it. You know, just come up with, with come up with a solution, and everybody's just putting all their resources to be able to to be able to fight this pandemic and perhaps well come up with a vaccine as as soon as possible. And when that happens, uh, everything will be back to normal. But but at, but at the moment, you know, just I guess just be. Um, just be vigilant, I guess. Be strong. Be patient, and uh, you know, perhaps, perhaps something, something creative can can result with this. Or something. I mean, you know, other things that uh, people can do to, to you know, just to just to, I mean, just just for this to, to pass, and uh, and and then later on, uh, see ourselves back in the theater. So I guess, you know, I'm just, I just wanted to say that uh, live performance will be back. I'm very sure about it. And I'm sure it's going to be happening sooner than later. So there. Yes, that's great. Well, you know, 
this has been wonderful. I mean, there's a lot of good things that we've talked about. Before I let the two of you go, I just have one last question. What are you looking forward to the most once a sense of normalcy is back? Um, I am looking forward to watching a show in, <laughs> in a theater. <laughs> I really am. I, uh, watching all these shows online just makes me feel that a hunger for live theater more. Like, because I can already imagine, knowing exactly. the like, I can imagine, already imagine and feel that energy that's there in the theater. So, uh, exactly. yeah, definitely going back into the theater, watching, and even just watching. I mean, I don't even need to make my own show. I mean, I just be there, be around people. Be there. In a, in a, yeah, yeah. Be, be there, even just watch, which is also what I want to I, say I mean, to my fellow artists. I, you know, uh, uh-huh. it, you are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> we're all in, we're all isolated physically. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Please reach out. You know, if you have uh, if you're feeling alone, please reach out to any a local group, a local arts group. What's important now is really mobilizing the whole community to find each other, so that we can all like, for example, how we got together all uh, under the umbrella of NLEC PH was because we had right. already organized in groups before, like under Theater Actors Guild. We, Phil Phil Stage Artist Welfare Project, getting to be a member of that uh, gives you really this access to other artists and performers. Sorry, Santi, you were saying something. I interrupted. No, 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 no. Uh, I just wanted to interject something, but but yeah, I'm I'm I completely agree with uh, with what you said. Uh, I, I mean, you know, I've I've seen some uh, posts on social media of of the actors. Uh, you know, um, uh, wanting to go back to rehearsals, you know, and, and all those stuff, you know, just, not just performing. Uh, I, I, I guess uh, everybody's excited to go back, of course. And uh, that's definitely the first thing that we are going to do. At the moment, we are planning for when that day comes uh, that um, there's a solution to... to to this pandemic, uh, or perhaps there is a vaccine, and we can all go to the usual work that we do. And uh, they are very excited about that. So, I mean, not not just the actors, but everybody else, even us, the production team, uh, everybody would want to just go back to to work. Yeah. Well, I think that is all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining me and allowing us to have meaningful conversations about this very important issue. It's been great, and I've enjoyed it very much. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you, Chris. Chris. Thanks, Andy. Thanks, Jenny. For all our listeners who are interested in asking some follow-up questions, please leave them in the comment section, and we will try to send this to both Santi and Jenny and get back to you. Thanks, Santi. Thanks, Jenny. Again, good luck with everything, and I look forward to having you and your work on the stage of Circuit Performing Arts Theatre soon. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite channels. State of the Arts is a weekly podcast and it's available on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. We're also on Facebook and Twitter with the handle at State of the Arts PH. Share with your friends, family, and fellow arts aficionados and help us get the word out. For the latest news, including construction timeline and updates on Circuit Performing Arts Theater, follow our sponsor affiliate Facebook and Instagram pages, Circuit Makati and Make It Makati. Thank you for joining me today. Till next time.